Today, we're going to talk about those pesky food myths your parents may have told you or that arose from misinterpretations of scientific studies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Nas Science Podcast. Each episode, we debunk ridiculous yet common science misconceptions we find online and get just a little salty about them. I'm your favorite science teacher, Lauren. And I'm your personal neuroscientist, Nick. Before we get started, we would love it if you came and checked out our social media pages. We have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we're pretty close to 500 followers on Instagram and Twitter. So definitely give us a drop if you haven't already. So let's take a look at some myths that you may have heard throughout your childhood. Um, maybe were made to protect you or just prevent you from being the weird doorknob licker. <laughs> you Which used... one of my friends did as a child. Okay, that has no relevance to the episode. It's funny, but uh, you used that in a previous episode. It made me laugh then. It... <laughs> Did I? Yeah. It's something I think about often. Licking doorknobs? I think about how my friend used to lick doorknobs a lot as a kid. God. Uh, So why don't we start off with a childhood favorite, and that is gum takes seven years to digest. In reality, gum is indigestible for humans, meaning no matter how much time passes, our bodies can't break it down. We don't possess the enzymes needed to break down gum, Similar to how we don't have the enzymes needed to break down certain plant material called cellulose and nuts. So does that mean the gum is just sitting in our stomachs and intestines forever? Of course not. You empty your stomach within two hours of eating food, and that does include gum. So it's not just lounging around chilling in your stomach having the time of its life. (laughs) So it just gets passed by full, like just in full? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, all right. But what about your intestines with all those villi and turns like a water slide? Can the gum just get stuck there permanently since it can't be digested? Also, no. So your intestines have muscles in them that help push food through the digestive tract. And this process is called peristalsis. So no, there isn't just a wad of gum sitting in some deep corner of your intestines. Unless you ate a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. And there is... A few medical conditions, uh, something like gastroparesis, which means like paralyzing stomach or paralyzed stomach, where your stomach doesn't empty the same way. People have trouble with peristalsis where things don't move along the digestive tract the same way. So yeah, in those situations or in those individuals, swallowing gum could be a little more dangerous, but for the most part, not really that serious. So I wonder like how much gum is too much like you know those big packs of um big like, league chew gum or like the um those bubble what's the tape one Ta- Bu- like bubble tape bubble tape gum <laughs> god know. someone's gonna be so mad what is that called bubble gum it's like six feet of fun yeah. bubble gum i think i just made up a slogan <laughs> the best gums but i mean i would like go through a whole pack in a softball game of the big league tree uh big league chew i love big league tree <laughs> it's my it's favorite delicious but also loses flavor in like five seconds 
But we don't really know where this myth comes from. Duke Health thinks it's likely from parents trying to teach their kids not to eat inedible objects, which, if you've ever been around a toddler, is no easy task. This is why I brought up the doorknob. It's a different inedible object. No, Okay, if your child can eat a doorknob, you that's not your child, that's a snake. Like They can unhinge <laughs> <brother>. their jaw <laughs> like my brother. How dare you? <laughs> She also ate a lot of dirt and coins, so just saying. Why are you doing this to your friend? Does she listen? <laughs> I don't know. She's busy. She has a kid. So. <laughs> That's what she gets. Okay, so myth number two. Coffee stunts your growth. So I've always loved this one because I would venture to say that most people do know and would agree that most people grow during their childhood. So this raises the question is how many children are actually drinking coffee? I, I picture that like <laughs> little kids drinking like... Uh, like espresso. Uh, no, what's the... Uh, a flat top? White top? What's the... I don't know. I don't know coffee. I don't drink coffee. There's a type of coffee that has like the foam at the top. Yeah, and... like a latte. No, it's not a latte. something else. Whatever. Move on. I'm just, I ruined it. You did. But most people do stop growing by the time they finish their teenage years, though some boys can grow a little bit beyond that. There's been no scientifically valid data to support the idea that coffee prevents or stunts growth. Harvard suggests this myth came from a totally different misconception, so we're going to do that. Years back, there was a study that suggested routine coffee drinkers have an increased risk of osteoporosis, a condition where a person doesn't have enough bone mass. They may not make enough bone mass or they might lose bone, uh, bone material more quickly than other people. This was due to coffee's ability to increase the rate of calcium elimination in the body. So calcium is one of the big materials used in bones and so you hear that all the time like milk has calcium it's good for bones even though we talked about that in the previous episode it was just big dairy so having a lot of calcium uh, being eliminated from your body is a problem and could result in something like osteoporosis some people made the connection that if calcium is eliminated at a faster rate children won't be able to grow because everyone knows calcium is needed for good bone health like we just said the problem is, the effect coffee has on calcium elimination is small, and it was never even confirmed that coffee itself has a connection to osteoporosis. The same study that mentioned the increased rate of calcium elimination and, and risk of osteoporosis, they also said that people who drink coffee at higher rates also had lower rates of dietary calcium intake, making them more susceptible to osteoporosis. Mm. So it was never really confirmed that coffee itself cause the osteoporosis just that coffee drinkers were at a higher risk so they're just saying coffee drinkers have a crappier diet not necessarily crappier just lower rates of calcium they might not drink as much milk because they're drinking coffee instead or something like that so then, you know this is one of those cases where correlation doesn't quite equal causation um, and it's very easy to rush to a conclusion without examining all the factors so there are some negative side effects to drinking coffee, but these tend to only occur when drinking like six or more cups per day. And even then, there hasn't been conclusive evidence. Which six is a lot of coffee. I know someone who drinks like eight. That's a lot of, I mean. It's like multiple of those like big ass Dunkin' Donuts cups. That's so much coffee. Coffee's so much. a natural diuretic and it makes your poop. So like, what's this person's bathroom schedule like? Oh no. 
Um, and they're runners. So I'm like, how do you do it? I feel like you'd be so dehydrated all the time. But, you know, on the flip side, because there's always a flip side, uh, there have been many studies that suggest coffee's health benefits like reduce risk of liver cancer, um, gout, stroke, dementia, and promotes weight loss and more. And those are like reduced risk of those things. Not like, here's a benefit, you can get gout and dementia. (laughs) Reduced risk of those. What does affect your height then, we should ask? Um, Your genes, good nutrition, but not really coffee or caffeine. I would imagine that parents want to push their kids away from drinking coffee because it is expensive and it can make it difficult for them to sleep or become restless. And who wants to deal with that? Well, no kid needs more energy either. Uh, Seriously. So combined misconceptions about coffee's effects on calcium and parents wanted to steer their kids away from coffee and you get a pretty well-known myth. So myth number three, MSG causes headaches. If you're not familiar, monosodium glutamate, MSG, is a flavor enhancer used in a variety of prepackaged foods. For whatever reason, after eating Chinese food, some people report heart palpitations, headaches, and other symptoms that resolve on their own. MSG was blamed, and now you can see a little sign, usually in the windows of Chinese restaurants here in New York City, that say, no MSG. But is this even true? A 2016 literature review of MSG and its connection to headaches found no conclusive evidence linking the two. There were some studies that suggested there is a connection, but those studies didn't follow proper blinding procedures and we don't really know if the results are valid. By not blinding a study correctly, meaning we know who is assigned the MSG group and the placebo group and all this kind of stuff, what ends up happening is you can be biased in how you approach these patients. You're more likely to ask them leading questions. Uh, You might expect or kind of lead on a patient who has been taking MSG to report some side effect, even if there really wasn't one. So the results can become biased or skewed. Part of the skepticism for me is that people only report the side effects with Chinese food when in fact MSG is found in many foods today and this was actually first reported in 1968 as Chinese restaurant syndrome, a name we definitely won't be using again on this show. But it goes to show that this was a phenomenon that really only exists in Chinese food. Um, So really, that is an undeserved reputation that just happened to stick with Chinese food for some reason. So here's the thing. Like we said before, a lot of foods have MSG, and no one says they have a headache from the MSG in Pringles. That's right. Everyone's favorite potato crisp, technically they're not chips, have MSG in it. So do Doritos and those taco spice blends, Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich, Campbell's chicken noodle soup beef jerky, pepperoni, even your damn ketchup and mayo have MSG in it. And you can look at the nutrition label and see, does it say monosodium glutamate? If it does, that's MSG, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Some studies do suggest that consuming MSG can lead to things like obesity, but we have to be careful about rushing to conclusions. Is it the MSG, or is it eating nothing but Doritos, Chick-fil-A, and beef jerky causing you to gain weight? Some claim that MSG increases your appetite, uh, which at a place like a buffet may cause you to eat more and therefore spend more money. But newer research suggests that the relationship between MSG and appetite is complex and it may actually decrease your food consumption. 
Finally, some people do have MSG sensitivity, which means they can have adverse reactions to MSG, but it's not that common. Take all this with a grain of salt, yes, pun intended, because the studies aren't conclusive and more information is needed before making a definitive statement. For now, we can say that MSG, like all things, should be consumed in moderation. I have a fourth myth for you. Do you know what it is? Uh, no, because it's not on the notes. <laughs> give me a hint. You shouldn't do this after eating. Go swimming? That's what people say. The, there is myth number four. Did we, we talk about this recently? We, I don't know. But we're doing it again. So <laughs> the I, myth number four, you shouldn't go swimming for at least 30 minutes after eating. Or is it an hour? I've, I've seen uh, both. Yeah. So this is a myth. The, the, the idea is that you will eat a bunch of food and then you're going to get in the water, and as soon as you start swimming, you're going to cramp up and drown and die. And, yeah, that's not really true. Some people claim that because you're, you just eat, you've just eaten, you've eaten a lot of food, <laughs> eat is not a thing, you're going to have increased blood flow to your stomach and to your intestines, which could make you fatigued or, and fatigue and muscles and then continue to exert effort could result in cramping. And yes, that's true if you are doing, like, strenuous exercise. Like, if you're going to eat a meal and then you're going to hop in the pool and be doing laps back and forth in an Olympic pool, yeah, you might be more likely to cramp. I don't know if you're going to drown. You'll probably feel pretty fatigued first. Or I don't think the muscle fatigue or the cramping is going to be, like, instantaneous whole body. Oh, my God, I'm going down. But if you're just going to jump in the water, go for a casual swim, hang out, whatever... There is no evidence to suggest that if you jump in the water after eating a meal for a casual swim, that you're going to seize up, sink to the bottom of the ocean, a la Titanic. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to pull a Jack. For a second, I was about to ask, who the hell is Jack? The guy who drowned. Yeah, I know. Which Probably, it, so okay. this whole time, you know, he just ate a big meal. Myth number five, Jack could have fit on that damn door. Yeah, he definitely could have. I mean, I there's, just, there's things where they go around showing all the ways that he could have fit. Like, one of them, they're playing cards, yeah. and like they're, like, napping and whatever. He tried a good, like, one time to get up, and it's like, come on. And why didn't she help him? Because I, I know they were cold, but it was like, but try a little harder. Wouldn't it be better for him to be up there and they can share body heat and, like, warm and stuff? Like, wouldn't that be beneficial? Yeah, she was just, she was just really cold and, like, probably couldn't really move. Very stiff. I don't buy it. So those are our food myths. Plus one Titanic plus myth. Plus one Titanic myth. Because I guess every time we do something like this, we need a bonus myth. Why didn't we put your mom's food myth in here? What's my mom's food myth? Bananas. Uh <laughs> like, how did you forget that? I don't know. Okay. So Nick's mom. This, this, let me, before you even say what the myth is. It's crazy. She's, she's out there. And I don't like to leave pauses in my podcast episodes, but that one's staying in there because it it hurts me personally how like she really believes what Lauren's about to tell you. I don't know where she got this from, but so she's pretty adamant that you cannot eat the tips of bananas. And by the way, is it both tips? I'm unclear. Okay. Doesn't really matter because it's silly. You can't <laughs> eat the tips of bananas because bats eat them. Just the tips. Just the tips. Bats only... And her argument is like, well, bats eat bananas. And I'm like, yeah, sure. 
but they what do you what does she think the bats are doing like I, just, guess, I guess she said like well when they're hanging upside down that means so they would be like by the tip and i'm like so are they getting through the like the rind of the banana yeah they get like, into the peel because the if peel. that's the case like they're gonna they have fangs and they're gonna be eating and you're gonna see that they've eaten the banana right like be pretty but it's not like a, it's not a needle yeah exactly. where, like you might not see and like i don't know what she thinks and i don't know if that thought has ever occurred to her like Oh, I would know. see an animal nibbling on this banana. Yeah, so even when sometimes she feeds the, like, she gives her dog a little bite of banana, she will literally break off the tip and then give him the next piece. And now, like, what? What are you doing? I don't know if she eats the bottom tip of the banana. I think she discards that. And in all fairness, I don't eat the bottom tip of the banana either. That's like no man's land. I, I eat. I eat it all. How? Peel included. <laughs> <laughs> How do you eat the bottom tip of the banana? And I've eaten some gross stuff. Like you just... What do you mean how? Like, how to mentally how? Yeah. Do it? Yeah. It, that's... I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll clue you in on my secret. It tastes exactly the same as the rest of the banana. I, that's not the... That's No. No, it doesn't. It but, doesn't. But it does. You see, different. your mom did more of a number on you than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> There's a distinct difference between the tip of the banana and the rest of the banana. There just is. I don't know why. There's something about the the point and like those stringy white parts that I just don't like. Like I can't get around it. Can't get your mouth around it? Wow. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so that's what Nick had to grow up with. <laughs> yeah, that was my childhood. Um any other food myths? Apple a day keeps the doctor away. We, we, I think we did that one. That's not true. Like why are? Look at us. We never I, eat apples. <laughs> we never go to the doctor. <laughs> but the idea that like an apple a day keeps the doctor away is funny to me, because that implies if you eat an apple, you are perfectly healthy. Like just one apple a day, and I feel like that's on the same level as those clickbait ads you find at the bottom of websites like the one trick doctors don't want to tell you it's like i hate those things so much like top cardiologist top cardiologist tells you how to clean your bowels like no cardiologist (laughs) is gonna tell you how to do that and also i'm gonna be a cardiologist because cardiologists are well respected in the doctor sphere i guess and people doctor's field doctor's sphere Oh, oh, oh i sphere and everyone knows what a cardiologist is. A cardiologist is like if you name some other doctor, like a nephrologist, gastroenterologist. Yeah, he would be the one, or they would be the one to tell you. But I'm saying if you just named something else, like you said, like a nephrologist, people might not know what that is. So yeah, people might not. And kidney. That's gonna do it for us today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and especially share it. It takes literal seconds to hit subscribe and click the five-star review button, and it would mean a whole lot to us. Positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good, good science to even more people. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JustNASScience. You can also visit our website, JustNASScience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. Don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. And as always, thanks for listening. Later, you nerd. Later, Gator.
That's what I thought. You no, know, I don't know if it was. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. And since we're talking about kidneys, uh, oh no, that was, that was liver. When uh, Hannibal Lecter said that liver grows with fava beans, that was actually a joke. Med school. <laughs> that was a joke. Med students came up with and somehow ended up in that movie. So, do you? I don't know if you remember. That's, that's this. kind of food related, right? Yeah. Yeah. Side note: My dad still doesn't know if both his kidneys work. Remember this whole thing was going back and forth to the doctor. You're, you're, Lauren's dad may or may not have two kidneys. And like I was no about one... to be like, maybe I would donate one if you know if like the 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 lone one started to go and this motherfucker might have two. <laughs> we don't. No one is sure if he has two kidneys. I, at no point has he ever had a kidney removed. No, no, no it's it. He has two. But they don't know if they're both functioning. I mean, there are lab tests you can do to, like, determine kidney function. I, I know, which is why I don't understand why there's so much confusion surrounding this. All right, well, but anyway, I don't know what to tell you. That's my dad for you in a nutshell. 